0: Well, this morning as we start out on each area of this subject of love, as we kind of unfurl it, uh, we're not necessarily going to be in the Christmas story. We'll be in the Christmas story throughout the message today, but I think it's really important, it's vastly important that we look at the, the wholeness of because Jesus came, we experience the love of God. How does that, in fact, actually look? How does that look uh, in people's lives? How does that look in your life? How does that look in my life? And what are the promises that Christ has? So, number one, we're going to ask, do you believe you're unlovable? There are many people who do believe that they are unlovable. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to see what the promise of God is. Then we're going to talk about the look of love. You know, many of us look at the idea of love, but it's hard for us to pinpoint. It's hard for us to see. It's hard for us to understand. And so the beauty of looking at the scriptures is God gives us this picture-perfect idea, both with ourselves and civilization around us, and then between us and him. What does love, in fact, look like? Then we're going to look at this concept that you can run, but you cannot hide from the love of God. So this morning, let me start out with this statement. And I've got a little bit of an interesting approach today. We're we're going to look at the text, most definitely, but we're going to use a cherished Christmas story that's out there. And there's a hint on our current slide. Uh, So hopefully, you know, you see the transition by the end of the uh, sermon today uh, in the Grinch. And so, think about this title or this inspirational topic this morning. Love loss tragically defines so many people. People who have given up on love, they ignore love, they deny love, they refuse love. They can be found every Christmas time wearing green matted fur, hiding in their cave and talking endlessly to their dog, Max. I can relate to this because I have a dog named Max. And uh, so far I don't have green fur, but hopefully the love of God keeps it from going that far. Let's wake up our hearts this Christmas, can we? Let's wake up our hearts. Let's start with a great, great passage that many of you will be familiar with, and it's John three sixteen. We need to start there when we ask this question, do you believe you are unlovable? Why would that be my lead point? Because I think that there's a point in time for everybody that they feel unlovable. If you have experienced love loss, whether it's in a relationship with an ex-wife, an ex-husband, maybe it's you're, um, you're estranged from a child or a parent, Maybe uh, there's a, a challenge in other relationships, uh, close friends, and there's love loss. And, and, and this Christmas, especially this Christmas, you wish that relationship was healed. And a lot of the times when we experience love loss, we think, what is it about me? Why is it that I'm unlovable? What's wrong with me? So I feel compelled to address that thinking. And if you're sitting here this morning and you are self-actualized and you feel loved uh, 18 ways to Sunday and you are all good, don't get up and go to the fridge and load up on some eggnog and and a package of Ritz crackers. Stay where you're seated because there's something for everybody in where we're going. But let's start with John 3:16. And many of you know it, but let me go ahead and read it so that we refamiliarize ourselves with the love of God. For God so loved the wor- world. A two letter modifier. So so there's a condition. When you look at grammar in that way, there has to be a qualifier Otherwise, why not just write it, for God loved the world? You know, why is that not enough? Why does that not suffice? Just to say God loves the world. But John, who was probably the disciple who felt the essence of Christ's love here on earth, maybe even the most or the deepest, John has to put that modifier in. God so loved the world Well, if He so loved the world, how did He demonstrate that love? That He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. What is it that I have one of? That it's the only thing that I own, that, that it's my greatest possession, and am I willing to give that over to someone who probably will reject it, probably won't take care of it, probably will not explore it the way I would or, or appreciate it or cherish it the way that I would. Would I be willing to give that over to someone who's careless with it? And yet God did. That word so, he so loved you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how you have been treated by others, God so loved you that he gave his one and only thing that he possessed, that he he cherished the most, that you and I might have eternal life. Let's look at that in greater depth and, and let's value that on a greater depth. Do you believe that you are unlovable? Many of us are lonely and bitter this Christmas, not just because of COVID, but because relationships have been fractured. We begin to think through previous and and current hurts that we are not worthy of being loved by people or by God. So God sent his son out of love. We see it in the text. Let's go back to the uh, the cultural Christmas story of the Grinch and if you're familiar with it think about how ugly the Grinch was hiding in a cave so angry so bitter we have to ask ourselves this question why was the Grinch so grouse why was he such a poster child for bitterness And if you remember the story, it goes back to a childhood hurt where he was isolated, he was mocked, he was seen as different, he was not loved. And there's a beauty in this story about the Grinch that recognizes those individuals that have been hurt and feel like no one loves them. And so their heart starts to shrink and shrink. This was the Grinch. You know, hurt turns into distorted views of God and people. Speaking of people, let's look at a person straight out of Scripture, the Apostle Peter. We're going to look at his life this morning and, and look at how Jesus intersected with him and how love worked within Peter's life in spite of Peter's failures. And maybe we can see a real-time demonstration out of scripture. Turn to Luke chapter five, if you will. And what's interesting is you can see the calling of Peter as a disciple in the book of Matthew. It just says that Jesus was passing by and and, uh, Matthew was short on words in his demonstration and uh, just says that he turns to Peter and the others in the boat and says, I'll make you fishers of men. Come follow me. It says they dropped their nets and they left and they went. But Luke gives us this beautiful insight into that interaction that maybe this shows us a little bit about how we see our interaction with God. Maybe our first interaction with God Simulates this just a bit. So let's look Luke 5. I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. It says this, And when he had finished speaking, he being Jesus, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, you're pretty good at at preaching there, rabbi, but I'll tell you what, stay in your lane. We're the fishermen. We've been doing this a long time. There's no fish here. But then Peter says this. I'm going to give you a chance. He says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Have you ever done that? Have you ever bargained with Jesus? See, Peter probably knew a little bit about who Jesus was. And here, Jesus gets in Peter's boat that he might preach to the masses. Can you imagine being Peter or, or, or Andrew or the others that were in that boat? They don't have fish, but suddenly Jesus chooses their boat to get into. It's not by chance. Where was it that you were where Jesus got in the boat with you? It was not a mistake, and maybe for some this morning, It's today, it's now, it's in this moment. Maybe it's whenever you tune into this broadcast, Jesus is coming and getting in the boat and he's giving you some instruction because he loves you and because he cares. You don't have to meet any condition. And so Jesus sometimes comes with challenges that on the face of it, we look and we say, yeah, you're nuts. Uh, This isn't gonna work. And that's exactly what Peter's saying. But he says, hey, you know what, I know a little bit about your reputation. So on your word, you say that you do all these things and you say that what you, what you proclaim is the truth. So if you're telling me to do it, I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see what happens. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, now here's the part that I felt was important and why we're here. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Maybe that's why we don't have a love relationship with Jesus today. Maybe we have fallen flat on our face. Maybe we have realized the depth of Jesus' love, but we feel unlovable. All that we can get in our head is our failure. All we can get in our head is our shame. And that's why I chose to start with this examination of Peter. Peter says, leave me. I am unlovable. And yet, what does Jesus do? Jesus says, or or, or the text says this, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, From now on, you will be catching men. Now listen to this. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Fully in. Even though Peter had this first of many exchanges with Christ where he falls flat on his face, and he says, depart from me, Lord, right? Remember how Jesus says, I need to wash your feet, Peter? He says, no, that's never going to happen. And Jesus says, if you don't let me, you're not going to have any part in my ministry. Then not just my feet, Lord, all of me. Peter has this relationship where he does something that he would be ashamed of and starts to separate his relationship with God. And yet Jesus reacts to him in love and in leading. And Peter responds every time, My challenge this morning, as I've thought through this point, is I believe there have to be many who stopped because of their shame, because of their failures, because of their perceived failure, or they start looking at their inabilities and stop looking at Christ, right? Think about Peter getting out of a boat and looking at Jesus, and then he starts looking at his abilities. You know, maybe we should have retitled this, we're all Peter. So this morning, looking at that idea, Peter says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Peter felt unlovable, and yet Jesus stayed with him. Jesus said, I'm not done with you. I understand your your frailty. I didn't come to work with perfect people. I came because my father so loved you, Peter, in spite of all your failures and because of your impulsiveness. He had to send me, and I'm here joyfully, and I'm here to call you into relationship with me. You're not unlovable, Peter, no matter how bad the decisions are. What about us? Today, do we suffer from a wound or shame or guilt or anger? Has this caused Uh, distortion in your understanding of God's love for you. Maybe you've decided like Judas to walk away from the love of God. What are those areas that cause us to have that separation from God? And I'm going to be very careful how I choose these words right now. To have that separation from God in our own mind, not God's, but in our own mind, we feel unlovable. Sometimes it's our feelings. Sometimes it's our feelings. Sometimes it's an inadequacy of justice. We see God, and we see how God describes Himself in Scripture, that He is good, that He is holy, that He is righteous, and we also see that He's omnipotent. He's over all things. And so why do injustices happen? I know many people that Have walked away from a love relationship with God because they don't understand who God is and they don't understand how His mercy and His judgment work fully according to His will. And so, out of a sense of justice, they say, I'm done. I'm done with this relationship. Maybe it's loss. I know many people that have stepped away from their their walk, their love relationship with God, because there's been tremendous loss in their life. And it has left such a wound, such a cavity, such a hole, that it, it taints and it describes and it distorts who God is. What about our condition, our employment? our health, our relationships, our dreams, our desires. How many have stepped away because they just don't feel loved by God because He hasn't made those dreams come true? Or those circumstances? Be all those things that we think He should be accomplishing or doing for us. It's amazing how many people in their relationships equate love with possession Wealth, material, and yet God gives love in spite of our feelings, our distortion of justice, our condition of loss, or our position in life, that all of those things tend to be that which separates us by our choice with a loving God. Let's look at love. Actually, let me, let me change that to the look of love. And I, I can't help but think about this in terms of a cheesy, uh, cheesy song um, that came out of the 60s by a, a uh, now I'm gonna get some blowback on this big time that I actually know this. Um, it was played in my house and uh, maybe that's why I, I have some appreciation for elevator music yes that's right I love elevator music and it drives my family nuts and so uh, the artist is Jack Jones and the song was the look of love and I think actually Burt Bacharach wrote it how's that for dropping some knowledge And so uh, I have uh, an artist that I listen to uh, out of my love for jazz music. Her name is Diana Krall. And so I have that on my Spotify list. And we'll be driving somewhere on a long trip or maybe even a short trip. And uh, we actually took a trip up to um, the local gold country uh, recently. And I had that playing. And The Look of Love by Diana Krall starts playing over the radio. And I'm just grooving to it. It's the sweetest thing and uh, yet all of a sudden I feel coming from the backseat the tension of the venom building within my wife who cannot stand that song or any carpenter song. <laughs> Both of those things are an anathema to my wife. And so even though I love it, This is what the look of love looks like. Never playing the look of love is an actual look of love to my wife. That's a really confusing statement, but I think you get it. Why are our hearts dead this Christmas? I think Jesus understood this, that the look of love is missing or it's distorted or compromised or faded. And so these two passages I want you to see, one focuses on how it looks to love one another if we truly are his children. The other is, what does it look like for us to love him? If this truly is a relationship of love, if God found us to be lovable for whatever reason and he gave his only son because he so loved us, then what is the reciprocation here? Well, we have two passages today that are quotes from Christ that I want you to look at. The first one is John 13, 34 through 35. And Christ says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, this word commandment is not in the passive tone. When he's talking to this crowd, this is a group of uh uh, hebrews who follow the law who follow the commandments and so jesus is saying i'm going to give you a new one and you need to treat it with the same level or greater um attention devotion as these other commandments and that is that you love one another it doesn't say you love one another as long as the other is lovable Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, you know, love the other person if you're in a good place. Right? Because we give ourselves excuses all the time. I'm just not in a good enough headspace to really love anybody right now. You need to give me my space. One of the most fascinating things that even secular counseling finds is that when we focus only on ourselves, we spiral down we get in into a a, uh, cavalcade of depression but in fact when we choose to love others it does some healing some transformational healing that has no boundaries but that's hard isn't it and yet jesus says look If you want to have this understanding of love, if you truly want to experience love the way that I have designed it, then you need to love one another. There's no modifiers. There's no conditions there. It is love one another. And then he says this. Here's how you're going to know if you've got it right. Here's how you're going to understand if you've got this love nailed down. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Think about this for us in our response of love towards God. If we have a response of love towards those who do not love us, right? If we've had love loss with people around us, where do we draw the strength to love those who no longer love us? From the Lord, because he demonstrated it. He demonstrated it. This is what it means to know godly love. This is the essence of Christmas. When love is demonstrated in the face of pushback, then we start to get closer to Christ. Then we start to exemplify godly love. This should be, according to Christ, this should be our response. This should be our reciprocation It should be the essence of our relationship. He talks about how we can have that relationship with him as well. In the next chapter, John 14, starting in verse 23, Jesus says this with this question that's proposed to him. Jesus answers, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him regardless of COVID. We will not socially distance with you. We will be closer than you can possibly imagine. You and I have that privilege and that honor that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so desperately wants to give you love that if you what, if you keep his word, right? If you keep his word, then God says, I will love you. And not only that, I will come and make my home with you. How tremendous. How tremendous. And yet today, one of the reasons that we don't feel the love of God is that we take his word and we change it. We change it to satisfy our own desires. The biggest problem with that is that a lot of our own desires are sinful, they're self serving. If you want to live in the love of God and you want to demonstrate and reciprocate love back towards God, honor His Word. Have you ever had someone in a love loss situation? You're in that argument, you're in that fight, and what happens? They change your words. That a breakup in a relationship happens because of misunderstood words. It's so desperately important that if we understand and want to have the love of God in our life, that we know what the word means, what God intends for our life. So the Grinch went through this, believe it or not, I mean, you may be saying, where was it Grinch was in the Bible? Yeah, that's far-reaching, but think in these terms. Not so much the Grinch, but Cindy Lou, right? Cindy Lou had the look of love. She understood that love means sacrificing what isn't important for that which is important. She went out of her way to go to the domicile the Cave of Wonders, whatever that place was called, that earlier in the, the story, individuals went up and they were scared to death to go. She was driven to reach out to the Grinch because of love. Because she can be heard saying, no one should be alone at Christmas. That's how the Lord looked at us, that the world should not be alone, but he wants to come and make his home with us. You know, she looked beyond the hurt. And Cindy Lou, when it came to understanding or trying to love the Grinch, she wrestled with the idea that knowing that even those that are most angry and undeserving can be reached with a true demonstration of love. She spoke up. This week, what can you do to fulfill what Jesus said in John 13? You can speak up. There may be those that you've had love loss with, and you have separation, and both of you are sitting out here, and nobody's talking. Nobody's relating to one another. Then you are not obeying the Lord if you call Jesus your Lord. You are not listening to him and you are not keeping his word, which in fact is you saying, I do not reciprocate your love. I'm going to operate by my hurt. I'm going to operate by my safety zone. I'm going to operate by love loss. God does not want you to operate by love loss. So speak up. Speak up You know what's fascinating is When it comes to us Can I encourage you what the look of love Would be this Christmas Versus what it wouldn't be Let's start with what it wouldn't be All you guys out there that Are buying an instapot for your wife Unless it's on the list Don't do it I made this mistake a while ago Not necessarily instapot Don't worry honey There's no instapot coming Uh, It It It's a situation where I bought some utilitarian present that I thought she would really appreciate. But when you really think about it, here's what I could hear a gal saying when she receives an Instapot on Christmas morning. Really? And who is it that's going to be eating this food that I'm going to be using the Instapot for? Kind of a self-serving Christmas gift here, isn't it? So, guys, I just encourage you, the look of love is something that comes without manipulation. Just make sure that when she receives what she receives from you, she feels love. Now, women, on the other hand, feel free to go ahead and get that barbecue for the guy. All right? Because it's a completely different story. All right. You may receive the food from the barbecue, but I'll just I'll speak up. I'll, I'll take the liberty to speak up for the guys. The barbecue is a completely different thing in this discussion. Do not buy yourself or, or do not give your husband or your boyfriend a gigantic blanket with your face on it. That would, in fact, end up being self-serving, and you women know what I'm talking about. So... When you think on a serious level about what is the look of love for us, let me ask this question. What have you done this past week to show love to those that don't believe it exists? I would be hard-pressed to believe that whoever is in this room and whoever is listening, that you don't know someone that believes that love doesn't exist, that their heart has gone all grinchy and they need someone to speak up. They need someone to help them heal. They need the love of God. Let me encourage you to think in these terms. Next week, we're gonna share some stories about how this church family has done that, has reached out to the world around them. But let me encourage you, make a story for eternity. Make a story for eternity. Don't make a story that's conditional to love loss. Think about someone who has gone through love loss and reach out to them this week and make a story for eternity. Follow in the footsteps of the Christmas story. Seek to create peace, seek to create hope, seek to create joy, all through a passionate pursuit of love. In finishing up this morning, You can run, but you can't hide. Maybe you feel unlovable. Maybe you're hiding in your cave somewhere, just like the Grinch was. Maybe you're hiding like Peter was after he denied Christ three times. You can run, but you can't hide. I'm going to take you to, again, just a, a different or interesting passage of Scripture. Romans 8 speaks to the love of God. What is this love, and can you lose it? This is an important question. So in Romans 8, 37 through 39, Paul says this. No, you can't. No, the love of God is not conditional. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels... Nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, if you're an articulate person that likes to uh, be a bean counter, accountant style, God bless you, you're called to a unique calling, but please don't think that this is a comprehensive list. Paul chooses to go down through a list of things to make a point. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Now, I would contend there is one thing and it is your choice. You can choose to sit in your cave of loneliness, bitterness, anger, self-pity, hurt whatever it is you can choose to do that but there are many places that we see in scripture where jesus still will pursue you because he loves you so paul's promise is true he's always loving you in spite of that though he gives you the choice as to what you will do with that love let me show you through peter now remember where we see Christ intersect first with Peter. It's on the seashore. They're fishing. He's having horrible luck. Jesus gets in the boat. He tells them to drop the net. And what happens? Loaded up with fish. Jesus is supplying all their needs and more in abundance. We fast forward to John 21. Jesus has risen from the cross or from the grave And a stranger is on the beach while the disciples are once again, what? Fishing. And while they're fishing, they're not having any luck again. You know, these guys on their own probably would have died based off of their abilities in their profession. And so a stranger far off on the beach tells them to do what? Cast over to the other side of the boat. They'd been fishing all night again, they're waiting for Jesus. And for whatever reason, they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And I will tell you, that's sometimes how you encounter the love of God. On the initial blush, you don't recognize that it's Jesus. But when you're able to stand back from an engagement with Christ maybe this engagement, and really contemplate and your heart starts to soften up because someone or Jesus himself through his spirit or through his word is reaching and healing that love loss, maybe the heart starts to beat again and it starts to get healthy again. And that's kind of what happens in this story is they suddenly recognize John recognizes who Jesus is. And what does Peter do? He dives out of the boat. And then we fast forward to the conversation and Jesus says, "We need to deal with something. We need to deal with a love loss." You can run, but you can't hide. And Peter, I'm going to make sure we deal with the thing that's sitting in your heart because it's going to have bad repercussions later on. So let's just deal with it now. Peter, right? John 21. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Peter wanted to crawl away to his cave. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. He was reestablishing Peter, saying, Peter, yep, you fell flat on your face. You did the very thing that you said you would never do to me. You betrayed me. We had a broken relationship, but I'm healing that relationship right now. It's not okay. You can run, but you cannot hide. It is not okay for you to let this sit in your heart, and I'm not going to let it sit there. We're going to deal with it. And what does he ask Peter? Not, are you sorry for what you did in lying three times? Not, how are you going to fix this, Peter? Not, not, are you going to be better, Peter? What does Jesus choose as healing words? Do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And that is my closing question to you today. Do you love Jesus? Because if you do, he will not relent in healing your heart. In finishing this morning, are you hiding from the love of God? Although he gives you that choice, it doesn't mean he stops loving you. Are you ready to feel again? Are you ready to be loved again? Are you ready to wake up your heart? Simply look to the fact that there was a manger with God in it. He gave you everything so that you might know that you are loved. Not from a distance, but with an embrace. Think about this statement. One act of selfless love can heal the hardest heart in a moment, for a lifetime, for eternity. Praise God.